0: the decorations set. So now we can get it and say, God, can you hold on? <laughs> yeah, our, what time is it? I, You know, my opening is yeah, three o'clock. That clock is slow. I set it yesterday and it's four minutes off. I couldn't have been that off. I'll try a new battery in it. Yeah, maybe it's yeah. a new battery. Um, have you ever been on a project with someone, an important project that you were a part of, uh, I, and and it's just a pleasure to be a part of it, no matter what your job is, uh, and especially if it's building something. Uh, some, a long time ago when I was younger, I was uh, all summer helping my brother build his house, um, and it, it was... We weren't building it from the ground up. It was an old house. And, of course, I was relegated to the, the destruction department because I was young and had no skills. Now I'm old and have no skills. But, um, yeah, it, it was all summer uh, getting this. Um, did it go off? Really? No, I'm good, right? Uh, did it go off? Oh, my God. Yeah. It wasn't low a second. Oh, there, there. There, there. What in the world? <laughs> Brand new microphone. Yeah, ten, there it is. Is it that, Alan? That that makes no sense. Nothing makes any sense. It's kind of going in and out. Well, I've, it's new batteries too. Is there a loose wire in the back of that? Yeah. All right. Well, we'll (laughs) We'll go with it. Uh, Test one, two. Yeah, it's going in and out. Something's popping. Yeah, there it is again. Um, Is it me? I'm plugged in. I got power. I'm plugged in. (laughs) Who <laughs> woke the dog up? All right, now we're way too high, and now it's off, I think. Is that all right? Test one, two, test one, two. Yeah. It's on, but a little higher, a little more gain. That, that's about right. All right. Okay. Well, we're, we could change them all out. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can get all new stuff. Just keep giving, make your checks out to Grace uh, Grace and Truth Ministries for wires, <laughs> electronic stuff. All right, that seems pretty steady. Okay, so yeah, like building a church. Actually, I'm a little too loud now, Alan. Could you put me down just a little, just a little test one too? Uh, now my clock that's off said we're starting right on time. That's why that clock is on. So this um, all summer long building this house with my brother. It was really special because it got finished. Right now it's like this magnificent palace because he's added and added to it. Um, but uh, to be a part of something that has an end that is noble, an end that is good, and, and it's hard. You know, it's not easy. So if you're if you're on a project with someone that it takes hardly any effort at all, there's really no reward to it. But When it's hard and there's something good that comes of it, if you're working with someone, uh, it's really rewarding. So God is, God the Father and God the Son say they want to build their house with us. And this phrase, you know, with us could mean like alongside us or it could mean we participate. And it could mean either one. John doesn't really clarify in that passage. We'll look at it in a bit. So I'd say this time around, to me, it reads that he wants us to participate. And it actually makes sense in the context of the passage. So if we think of our lives as something that God wants to build, and he wants to build it with you, right? you have to participate. And this we know to be true. You know, doing nothing, sitting on our hands, just even reading our Bibles every day and doing nothing, is not the Christian life. Uh, we need to read our Bibles, but we also need to do what it says, and to be transformed. All right. So we're going to start in Isaiah this uh, this time. Not even going to go to Matthew today. You already know it's there, ah, virgin birth and all that, right? <laughs> So um, we're going to look more at this, uh, really, uh, God with us, this name that's given to Christ, which is Emmanuel, which means God with us. We're going to pursue that a little bit more today. So in Isaiah 8, let's start with prayer and be thankful, be grateful for his word, for instruction in his word and in the truth, uh, to be humble and ready to hear his word of extreme importance. And so uh, to take everything, everything else off our minds and to focus on what is in his word today for us. Let's do that and pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have provided for us everything. And even when equipment goes wrong, the word always gets out. Um, no matter what happens, the church floods the word gets out. Um, no matter what happens in this world, your word goes forth, and so we are so grateful that we can receive it and be recipients of the the marvelous truths if we can go back thousands of years and read what you said to your servants a long time ago and um, see all together what you have provided for us through your word, which is essentially through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is with us. We thank you, Father, for all your grace, and we ask that you guide us by your spirit as we learn today. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so uh, Jesus Christ is given this name, Emmanuel. Uh, it says they would, as Matthew uh, interprets or Actually, Matthew changes uh, the passage in Isaiah from she would name him Emmanuel to they would name him Emmanuel, and the they, we would assume that Matthew means that there would be many who would see Christ as God, and not just God in heaven, but God with us, Uh, and the disciples would see that, It, it would be a brand new thing for the whole world But the church would come to know and believe that Christ was in them and with them, and that his very presence was with us every single moment of every day. So now it's review time. Now here's your quiz How many sections are there in Isaiah? I'll give you time to answer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, good answer. There's three. Three books in Isaiah. I won't tell those online how you did. Uh, And and, uh, now, the first book is named what? The book of the... Right. The king in chapters 1 through 39. All right. The second book is the book of the... Fill in the blank. Giving you time to answer. That's right. The book of the servant... And verses, uh, sorry, chapters forty through fifty-five. No cheating, Suzanne. And the last one, the last part, is the book of the Anointed Conqueror, fifty-six through sixty-six. So we have the the whole life and program of God for the world, for mankind, here in Isaiah, which is a marvelous truth here in uh, the second. Uh, The fourth servant song is Isaiah 53, the very famous Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 53, it says that the servant who's in the singular, he's a singular person. This is the one born of the virgin. So this one we're going to be talking about for all year. Uh, (coughs) He has offspring. And the offspring come as a result of his death. He dies, and because of his death, there's this righteous offspring. And the offspring are many. And so that's 53. So that's right at the end of the book of the servant. And this offspring show up repeatedly in the book of the conqueror. Uh, They're a multitude and they are set free and they're just like him. Whereas the servant suffers, but he's delivered and vindicated and then he spreads the light to the world The many in the third book who are the offspring of the servant, they're actually servants who suffer like he does. They're vindicated like he was, and they're the lights of the world of the glory of God like he was. And so there's this birth, really. And it looks so much like the church, but it's the future Israel for sure. But so many of these blessings have come to the church because we are the light of the world. We are the offspring of God. We're sons of God through Christ. Uh, We suffer like him. We're delivered like him in the same way. And we are to be a light to the world. All right. So uh, as we saw in this first book, there's two kings, uh, father and son, Ahaz and Hezekiah. Ahaz is bad. Hezekiah is good. Uh, They're both sons of David. Ahaz is the 13th king after David. The 13 kings, it's a long time goes by, uh, roughly uh, about 300 years. And Hezekiah is his son. Uh, To both of these kings, Isaiah goes. So what we're, we're talking about now is this book, the book one. Isaiah goes to both of them, and to both of them, the Assyrians are a threat to invade. To both of them, a promise is made be calm, don't fear. The threat is not going to uh, be successful. They're not going to be successful. So they're both to both Ahaz and Hezekiah. Uh, Isaiah comes to them. Isaiah promises that the threat from the north won't come to fruition. They're both at a pool when it happens. When Isaiah comes to both of these guys, it's like 30 years apart when he comes to them, 20 to 30, that they're at the water supply. And the reason why they're at the water supply is because, well, if you're going to get invaded, you need to make sure it's so the number one thing you're going to have is water. And, Israel, and Jerusalem has a water issue issue. Uh, so we'll see that in a second. And um, and to both of these, therefore, a promise is made and a sign is given. The sign is offered to Ahaz. He says, no, thank you. And then Isaiah says, well, I'm going to give you a sign anyway. A virgin will be with child and we'll call his name Emmanuel. And to Hezekiah, a sign is given. Um, and Hezekiah is, you know, certainly desires the sign, whereas Ahaz didn't. So, now that we move to Isaiah, so everything about Ahaz is in chapter 7. You move to chapter 8, and here come the Assyrians. Uh, This is some time later now. Uh, From 7 to 8, we're fast-forwarding quite a bit. And Isaiah 8, 5 says, And again the Lord spoke to me further, he's speaking to Isaiah, saying, Inasmuch as these people have rejected the gently flowing waters of Shiloh, or Shiloah, and rejoice in resin, and resin is the king of Syria, or Aram. It gets confusing here, I understand. There's a Syria, and there's an Assyria. There's a Syria and an Assyria. We'll just keep going. Is it, Alan, is it recording all right on the, yeah? So it's just in-house is the issue? Okay. Uh, yeah, so at least you guys can hear me. If they can hear me on the recording, it's fine. Um, <clears throat> so then uh, the son of Ramalia is the king of Israel. So uh, the point here is the water supply. The, this becomes important to us, and it, and it becomes a very good introduction for us today. That when Isaiah appears or comes to both Ahaz and Hezekiah, they're at the water supply. Now, notice now, now, God talks about the water supply. And he says, you've rejected the gently flowing waters of Shiloh. Well, it would be helpful for us to understand what these waters are, and we do know what they are. This is the gentle flowing spring that supplies Jerusalem with its water. The problem with it is that this, is, this spring is not... It doesn't have its origin inside the city. It's outside the city. So the, the origin of this spring is the um, stream. of It's called Gehan, uh, And this place is outside Jerusalem. And it runs over the land or over the water. It's not under the ground. And so it's easily stopped. And it's not big. So if the Assyrians come and attack Jerusalem... And they want to, and they're going to. The quickest way to get them to, to, for them to get you to surrender is just to stop this stream. It's a gently flowing, above ground, small, little stream. And it supplies Jerusalem with its water. Now, who picked Jerusalem to be the city? Well, you might say David, and that's kind of true. But really, throughout prophecy, God brags about and says, I have chosen this place, this hill, Mount Moriah, where Abraham sacrificed his son. This is my Zion. And yet, I've picked a city really well fortified. It's up high. It's on like a hill. But its water supply is not very good. So, the water supply actually is a test by God. There's God picks the place on purpose. The water supply is precarious and vulnerable on purpose. You have to trust God for your water here, especially when you're being attacked. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, we don't want to get in just for the sake of time, but Hezekiah the king decided to bury this source under the ground. It's an actual famous thing that he did. Back in the day, he was like, you know what? Let's take this river that's above ground and make it below ground. And he did that. He engineered an underground aqueduct. And uh, it's really smart. But Isaiah condemns him for doing it because he didn't trust God. I think it's in Isaiah 22. But anyway, that's that's not our goal here today. The goal here today is that but when God builds with you, and He wants to build this life with you, it's not on the surface always going to look like the most secure, successful thing that He's building. Which we this is why we say, you know what, God, I know what you want me to do, and I know what your will is, but it doesn't look like the right way to go. And, you know, and we're saying, just think of the stream. If this stream to Jerusalem is also a depiction of the stream of God's blessing to my life. You know, what is he going to give me? The Euphrates River is a million dollars in the bank. The stream of Shiloh is five dollars in the bank. And if I'm going to do God's, just say, whatever it is, you know, I'm going to do God's will. You know what, God, I, I'm going to do some of your will, but I'd rather, I, I need to go to the world to build my security. I need to go and do the things of the world to build my bank, to build my needs. You know, I, you, I, what is it here? I'm not trusting. And if you're going to build with God, you've got to trust Him. Because He's the one who does the blueprints, not us. Trusting God for your deliverance. The water supply is vulnerable. And here they come, the Assyrians. Now, wait, before we get to Assyria. So, the water supply is small. Let me get that off of there. Now, therefore, verse 7, 8 7. Therefore, behold, the Lord is about to bring on them the strong and abundant waters of the Euphrates, even the king of Assyria and all his glory. So, God now, in a masterful stroke of imagery, changes from one river to another. And Assyria is over here. This dot right here is Nineveh. And here's the Euphrates. You see it there, labeled the Euphrates, the Tigris. Assyria, their capital, is on the Tigris. Euphrates is a huge river. I mean, it's obvious. It's still there, right? It's huge. And they're going to come down here and attack. Here's Jerusalem, right about there. And uh, you know they can't they can't go straight across because that's desert. So you're not going to do that. That's uh, not the way to go. So they actually have to follow the Euphrates and then come down and attack. And that's exactly what they do. Um, and so they come by way of the Euphrates. God uses this imagery as this mighty river that's now going to come upon you. You didn't want to settle for my little stream. So now I'm going to bring the Euphrates on your head. Well, he's going to say, right up to your neck. And right up to your neck means, all right, I'm going to preserve you alive. But remember this, because the next time it comes, it's going to drown you. And that's exactly what happens. Because the Babylonians come 130 years later and... The water rises up. So imagine this. This beautiful little river that God, you know, you're always going to have water. It doesn't look like much. (laughs) But it's always going to be there. I'd prefer the Euphrates. Well, you want the Euphrates? You're going to get the Euphrates. And the Assyrians are, they're not going to be like me. God. They're not going to be like God. They're going to exact from you everything. Instead of, Giving as God does, they're going to take. So the king of Assyria in all his glory, and it will, so verse 7, and it will rise up over all the channels and go over, over all its banks. This is the overflowing army. 200,000 soldiers come. <clears throat> and then it will sweep into Judah. It will overflow and pass through and will reach even to the neck. It's Not going to drown you because the promise is you will be delivered. And the spread of its wings will fill the breath of your land, O Emmanuel. So here's our name again. Emmanuel meaning God with us. This is why it's only going to flow to the neck is because God is with us. This is God's land. So as I said yesterday, the child of the virgin back in chapter 7 all of a sudden becomes, whose name is Emmanuel, becomes God himself. So we don't know yet this is Jesus born of a virgin in Bethlehem hundreds of years later. We don't know that yet. <clears throat> but to this point we see the progression of the prophecy. The prophecy is fulfilled in Matthew 1. It's beautiful. It really is beautiful. As we saw Sunday it's the woman's going to have a child but and she's a virgin and all of a sudden it looks in chapter 30 Seven, that the virgin is the city of Jerusalem, who's going to protect all these people from the Assyrians. Like that wall is the womb, and the people are inside. And it seems, well, maybe Jerusalem is our deliverance. But Jerusalem isn't, because Jerusalem eventually gets destroyed. It gets destroyed twice. And so, you know, God neatly progresses his prophecy Keeps us kind of like on the edge of our seats and like, when, when, Lord, when will it happen? And it has great application to our lives. So here's the Euphrates River. <clears throat> it's as if God's saying, Would you prefer this? And if, you know, if my uh, issue is water supply, it's either that or that. That's the pool of Shiloah. This is archaeologically found not too long ago, actually. It was buried uh, in Jerusalem. And that's about it. (laughs) Now, there's a water there, but it certainly is not that. So, God says, which one do you want? Well, uh, you know, this is like, let's make a deal at Monty Hall uh, with Monty Hall. I want door number one. I want Euphrates. But God says, look, the Euphrates isn't from me. That's from the world. This is what I have for you. And Yeah, we're smart. This is miles better. Blessing. To the eyes, to the sight. You know, we walk by faith, not by sight. Which supply would you prefer? Again, this is like having absolute security, as the world will promise you. This is, while things look precarious often, and I have to trust God. Like, this is $5 in the bank and yet somehow God came through and paid my bills. Um, it's that kind of thing. But it doesn't have to be money, it's, as you know. I don't have to run through all the examples, I think, of how we apply this. What does God want to build with you? God wants to build a life with you, your life. God wants to build a, a home, a church, this church, with stupid, crazy audio issues all the time right, underground, would never get out of this basement. Whatever, it's God, it's what God wants. It's not what we want. You know, some could say, well, that church is so small and it's under the ground, they don't even, I don't even want to go there. Like, and apparently they don't. But, uh, you know, it's, you know, what does God, what is God building? And it always, it's not always going to look like that. Some churches look like that, not ours. Not that I'm I'm not even saying that it's best to have the little tiny pool of Shiloh. God sometimes does provide the Euphrates. He provides both. The problem that we face is are we accepting what God wants? And there's a way to find that out. He doesn't make it randomly, uh, you know, where you have to guess. He doesn't do that. God will show us clearly which path is his. God wants to build a church. He wants to build a life. He wants to build a family with you. With you. You still have to put in your input, don't you? If you're the husband of that family, if you're the wife of that family, if you're the child of that family, we all have roles to play. We can't sit back and say, well, all right, God, build. While I don't do what you called me to do. We have to. So in that way, by us... And this is really the key to involving yourself in the building with God. Loving him and keeping his commands. You say, I'm building a life with God, but I'm not keeping his commandments. You are fooling yourself. And it's the worst kind of deception. It's complete self-deception. You're not following his commands. You are not building with him. That's a fact. You say, well, I love him, but I don't follow his commands. That You're lying to yourself. Lying. We're not sinless. It's a desire. It's a I'm I'm going to set my my heart on it, following his commands. And he's not you know, he's not confusing about what the commands are. They're very clear. So here come the Assyrians, as I said, that's our last over here. Here they come and oh Man, it look they are like right to the end. They're gonna conquer the whole place. They do, they conquer all of all of you can't you can't see it here, but so much of the towns they hit they conquer, 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 and then they get to Jerusalem and they're ready to finish. Jerusalem's the last. Once they conquer Jerusalem, they got the whole place. And then God kills them. Verse 9, Isaiah 8, 9. Be broken, O peoples, and be shattered, and give ear all remote places of the earth. In other words, I want all the earth to hear this. (coughs) And here's a wonderful repetition. Gird yourselves, yet be shattered. Gird yourselves, yet be shattered. Uh, Hebrew poetry uses parallelism. This is a very rare instance of the fact where word for word it's repeated. Devise a plan, but it will be thwarted. State a proposal, but it will not stand. Right, so in, in the parallelism of, of verse 10, it gets more specific. There's a word for this that I can't remember. But uh, the plan and the proposal. The plan is bigger than the proposal. So it narrows it down. Devise a plan, it will be thwarted. State a proposal, more specific, it will not stand. See? So it repeats it. Why? For God is with us. Emmanuel. So the Assyrians uh, are unsuccessful. Now, the son of the virgin was born. This eventually happens. We read in Matthew 1. The prophecy is finally fulfilled. You know, The virgin was not, well, it probably was some woman during Ahaz's time, but uh, but we have no clue who that was. If we translate it literally, we interpret it literally, there was probably a woman who had a child that was assigned to Ahaz. We have no clue if that was even true or who she was. Was it the city? No. Was it Hezekiah? Is he like this one who's the Savior? No. Was it any? Was it David? No. All fail. The city fails. Everybody fails. Finally, this girl that no one knows from nowhere is the virgin that God chooses to have his son. Finally fulfilled. As he starts his ministry, it's very clear early on that he's rejected by Israel. He removes the offer of the kingdom to that generation, and then he dies for the sins of the world, is resurrected, and then he leaves earth in the ascension. He leaves, and he says, I'm not coming back until it's time, and no one knows when I'm coming back. Um, until that return in that future date, the second coming of Christ, the kingdom program is it on hold or does it continue? And we find out it continues in something called a mystery age, as Matthew talks about, in which time, in this mystery age, he is still with us, but in a different way than he was with Israel, and but similar. Right? Israel didn't see him, he didn't show up as you know as a visible manifestation. he was there, and they knew he was there when the Assyrians all died. I mean only God did that you know when when they conquer the promised land, only God did that, so we know as well, but what happens in this age is that when God is with us, he's with us like. With the church, yeah. With all of us in the church, absolutely. But with each of us individually. This is a new thing. That he would indwell each of us individually. And be with us to live and build, to build a life with him. Each of us individually. We help one another. We assist one another. We serve one another. We have spiritual gifts for that purpose. But in essence... One on one, you and God, you build your life. That has never happened before. So go to John thirteen. Emmanuel, God with us, therefore, comprises something like a bookend to Matthew's gospel. In Matthew one twenty three, he is Emmanuel. And then in the last line of Matthew, in Matthew twenty eight, twenty, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you. Right? This is his last line. Go and make disciples of all the earth, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you until always I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, before he says this, some uh, sometime before, uh, this would be a little more than a month earlier than what he says here in Galilee, that he tells them this in John 13, 36, that he has to go. Right? That Israel rejected him. He's not going to stick around. He has to leave. And so in verse 36, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? They're like, where are you going? Why can't I follow you now? They long to be with him, as any of us would be. But afterwards, you know, he's leaving. But afterwards, he says to Peter, if we focus on Peter just a little bit. He says, Peter, do you love me? This is in John 21 after, uh, after his resurrection, after he speaks to them in Galilee. He says to Peter, who denied him three times, because in the very next, if you read in the end there, verse 37 or verse 38, it said, Peter says, I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny that you even know me. He denies him three times. So the Lord asks him three times, Do you love me? And Peter affirms his love, which he does have. And uh, Jesus says to him, Then feed my sheep. Now, what is that, you know, what we mean here in terms of I'm not going to be with you physically. I want you to be a leader, Peter. I want you to feed the sheep. And you're going to have to do it on your own. And, of course, (laughs) there's no way I can do that. Yet, you're not really alone when you do it, are you? Because as you teach with all of us, we're all called to teach, We're all called to do what ministry we have. We're all called to be witnesses witnesses of Christ. We're all called to pray for one another. Uh, We're all called to learn and to live this life as a light to the world. And we have to know that even though Jesus is not here with us physically, that he is with us to the end of the age. Emmanuel, he is with us. And he's building with us. He's building our lives. The more we love him, the more we keep his commands, the more gets built. Christ is in, us in Colossians one twenty-seven. Way back in Exodus. We can go back to the Old Testament again. Where God said to Moses in the law, let them construct a sanctuary for me. This is the tabernacle that I may dwell among them. But we don't have a tabernacle now. No, we don't, because in Colossians one twenty seven, you're the tabernacle. You're the temple of God. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. You're the temple of God. Interestingly, when the temple was rebuilt, see this temple well, this was the tabernacle. Solomon built the temple and the glory of God filled it. And then that temple was destroyed by the Babylonians. When they returned from Babylon, they built another temple. This is called Zerubbabel's temple. And still, what did God say? Sing for joy and be glad, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I am coming and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. I will be with you. Excellent. Now we fast forward a little bit, like 400 years, a little more than 400 years past this time, and Jesus comes. And Jesus when he comes, that's God with us. All right? God dwelt among us. God the word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled among us. Uh, in Ezekiel thirty seven, twenty six through twenty eight, he says, My sanctuary is in their midst forever. But in this context of Ezekiel, which is when they are in captivity in Babylon, is that this is the far future kingdom. This is the new covenant and this is the far future millennial reign I'll be in your midst so it's kind of like not kinda with Moses with you with I don't have a I should have put a one up for Solomon's temple but during the davidic dynasty with them afterwards in Zerubbabel's temple I'm with you and then well there's no temple now there isn't one except for the mormons they had a fine one up there in Portland. But um, wh- where did we go? I mean, he took a huge jump here over us to a temple. And there is. Ezekiel 37, 38, 39 goes through the whole description of the temple that's in the millennial reign. And God is with them. And here we are left out to dry. But what is given to the church, to the mystery age? Which will again occur at this time. Right? God will be in them. This is the truth of the new covenant. But now, without a temple anywhere, the people of God are the temple of God. God indwells us. And as he does indwell us, he's building. And would Well, he would like to build. That's his desire. There's a lot of Christians who are so distracted with so many things that they're not building anything. They're building. I'm not saying they're doing nothing. They're just not building. And you can waste decades of your life and you have no nothing besides the foundation that's sitting there. And you've built nothing on it. So look at John fourteen eighteen. I keep my eyes on the time because uh, I got it on my computer here. Oh, okay. I have this fear that the battery's dying in that clock, and that it, I'll be up here for hours, and you'll be like, I'll be like, it's only quarter to four. <laughs> John 14:18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, that could mean second coming, right? Or rapture, maybe. So. We keep reading. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. Uh Aha. So the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Now, this is a pretty clear indicator that this is not the second coming, that this is during this age. I will come to you. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. In that day, you'll know that I am in my Father and you in me. And I in you. Wow. For real? I can just see this line sailing right over the heads of these guys. let like it would to every one of us. And be like, what? <laughs> like, you wouldn't even have heard it because it's so otherworldly. Like ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I am in my Father and you in me and I in you? How is what? It make no sense at all. But, yeah, and th- this would be what would happen to every single believer in the church. And that's right. At the moment of salvation, we'd be baptized by the Spirit and entered into union with Christ. We'd be in him and he in us. And he indwells us. Colossians one twenty seven. Now he gets to the work. Okay, so in uh, 18, 19, and 20, is the reality. Now 21 is what we do with that reality. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you're going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus' answer here is so wonderful because it applies to every one of us you Judas not Iscariot or I in mean all of you and every one of us can learn his word and obey his word because we have the spirit of god in us we have him in us we've been made new creation and so we can learn his word because a natural minded man thinks it's foolish <coughs> We are spiritually minded. We can learn his word and we can obey his word. And that's Jesus' answer. What has happened that you're going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. That's the answer. You, Judas, not Iscariot. I keep saying that. You, Judas, not Iscariot, uh, you can love me and keep my word anyone loves me he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him he who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine but the father's but the father's who sent me now there's a um, an omission here Uh, it's kind of like an ellipsis where you you go around and you come back quicker in other words he says, he who does not love me does not keep my word. He could continue and say, if you don't love me, you don't keep my word. I and my father are not going to build our home with you. Or not going to make our home with you. But he doesn't have to do that. He cuts it off. And, and that's a way of emphasizing it, actually. And, um, in a shorter route, he tells us that now that we are... In him and he's in us. And now that we can love him and keep his commandments, we can build something with him. Or we cannot. And if we love him and keep his commandments, he says we will come. That's a definitive. We will come to him and make our abode with him. So how do I know that God want me to have the Euphrates... Or the little Shiloh. What does he want me to have? Keep, love him and keep his commands. You'll find out. You will find out. You'll find out exactly what God wants for you. You will see your life being built. Your life, the people in it, the relationships fostered. Say if you're not following, if you're not loving the Lord and following his commands, the relationships that you build are going to be all wrong. Because your life is basically going to be selfish and self-centered and you're, you will have relationships that are not going to really be the ones that God wanted to build in your life. <clears throat> you'll have a family. You'll have a profession. But it won't be the way that God wanted it. You know, you'll, have, you might, you'll have romance. it might be married. And it won't be the way that God wanted it to be. Because if you did not build with him then we're all building. Everybody's building. They're all doing stuff. But they're building without Him. And what they build is, you know, tie it to the Sermon on the Mount. It's built on the sand. It's not going to last. So what a marvelous truth we have here. Emmanuel, God with us, means God wants now, individually, you and Him, it's unheard of. He in you and you in him. That's how close the connection is. He is with me and he's in me and I'm in him and I can build a life with him. So the father and the son want to build a house. It's a dwelling. The The Greek word is I- Ikea or wait, is it? Oh, maybe it's not. <laughs> I don't think it's house. It's actually uh, the word for dwelling. It's like, uh, I think it's manao or something. That's where we get meno or where we abide. Um, <coughs> it's a dwelling. And it's actually the word build isn't really used. I'm using build because the, uh, John here uses the verb to make. Um, so he's going to make a dwelling. I think that translates nicely into build a house. I like build a house because I want to focus on building a life because it's not really a house, is it? Does that doesn't matter? You could be poor, you could be rich, you could have a little tiny place or you could have a big spread. you know if it's God's will, it's God's will. If you're lying to yourself that you know I, I've got this whatever, whatever I have, and I say, this is God's will that I have that, then you know. What, you're just if you're lying to yourself, it's of the worst kind of deception. Um, for those who love him, they want to know. That's why, if you love him, you keep his commandments. If you love him, you don't want to play games with this. If if you love him, you don't you're not looking for a loophole. If you love Him, you want to know, am I building what you want me to build in my life? You want to know that. And if you want to know, God promises you will know. You will know the truth. Don't play games with Him. You might as well be honest, because you're not going to build anything if you don't love Him and keep His commandments. Such an amazing truth. Every day is a day of building. And, I, you know, as I was writing out these lines, I paused. I'm like, did I build today? Well, I was here all day, so maybe. <laughs> but I can be here all day working on these things and whatever. I'm always working on the Bible, but it doesn't mean I'm I'm always doing it right. I have to be as careful as anybody. Did you build that house today, or were you distracted with other projects? To those... The Son uh, manifests Himself for those who serve Him. The Son manifests Himself to those who serve Him. He manifests Himself in an abiding, spiritual, influential manner. We build and we see the results of our building. And that, and we know we're seeing more and more the Lord. The more you see Him, the more you love Him. And just really quickly, as we close up here, if you look at verse 25, he says, these things I've spoken to you while abiding with you. And this is another indication that he's not talking about the second coming when he says, I won't leave you as orphans, I'm going to come to you. Because he says now in verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Right? That takes us right back to the Assyrian invasion. What about the water supply? Isaiah would tell them, don't you worry about a thing. Who's the one who fights your battles again? Is it you? You have heard it said. You have heard that I said to you, "I go away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I." This is clearly that He's leaving, and leaving behind, or going to give as a gift, the Helper, the Paracletos. It's the same word that is a title for Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is going to be the one who indwells us, and as we build. And as we build this life, there's going to be all kinds of things that come in our path. They're kind of like Assyrians coming from the east who are invading. And they're going to say, you know, the thought is going to be, I need more than this little river. I need the big Euphrates. And God's going to say, no, 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 no. You don't need that. All you need is me. And remember, I'm going to I'm going to test you. I'm going to try you. And the things I put in your life are going to look small. This building we're going to do in your life, it's going to look weak. It's not going to look like a Euphrates at all. Do you trust me? And our trust is going to be tested. As we pass those tests, our endurance, you can see how our endurance would increase. The more and more threats come. I say, yeah, bring it, dude. <clears throat> here come the Assyrians. Here come the other Arians or Ions or Ites. Uh, you know, I've seen God kill off ten more before you. You're number eleven. Take a number because uh, I have nothing to fear, and that's just what He says: Let your not let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. <clears throat> um. Yeah. So, verse thirty. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming, and he has nothing in me. That seems like odd. Like it almost seems like Christ is afraid that the ruler of the world is coming. Uh, of course, he's speaking of Satan here, and more likely comes speaking of Judas who, has, Judas, who is Iscariot, who has been indwelt by Satan. Um, <clears throat> but notice the phrase, he has nothing in me. Nothing. That means Satan and his world and his Assyrians and his Euphrates. I'm not saying you know I'm using these as images. All the things in the world, they have nothing in Christ. Nothing. But so that you but so that, verse thirty one, the world may know that I love the Father. Notice this, because this is the last word he's going to say before they leave the, the Last Supper. I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Well, oh, Jesus, we know that. You're perfect. But this is an emphasis. It is an exclamation point at the end of this. I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Okay, now, you believer, as you're building your life with me, what must you do? Exactly what the Father commands you. It's not... Theological rocket science here, right? It's I just I love him, and keep his commandments. I do what he does. Now, too many Christians in our current world, and I mean Christians who I'm focusing on, are not building. They're doing stuff. They're doing plenty of stuff, but they're filled with the distractions of the world, the entertainments of the world. And I'm not saying you're wasting your time if you watch a movie or something. I'm not saying that. I love movies. Not that you do what I do anyway. I'm not perfect. But we can waste our time, hours, doing things where, ask yourself, could God have used that time to build? I'm talking about today. You can't Tomorrow has enough worries of its own, right? But could God have used that time for me and him to build? There's all kinds of things that he wants me to do. There's... There's things that God is going to build in our lives that we have yet no idea what they are. That's exciting. Not entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared. So what is He going to... If I'm distracted with worldly things, I'm never going to know what those things are. I'm not going to know. I'm not going to build with Him. Because I spent hours and hours on Facebook hours and hours on what there's plenty of things to distract us in our world these little tiny phones that have the whole world in them Mm -hmm. but i see we see them all the time i'm sure you do i see people at dinner at a restaurant there's like four or five people at a table and they're all looking at their phones (laughs) like put the phones down and talk to each other i guess but hey you know whatever they do whatever they want but It doesn't mean don't get a smartphone and don't look at it. It means, what are you doing with your time? Because God wants to build with you every day. And he's going to build things that you have not yet begun to imagine. If you love him and follow his commands, God is with us. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you that through your word we come to know the truths concerning you with us. Through your Son, our Lord and Savior, May we be alert and sober to the truth of building that home that you want to build with us. Build our lives, Father, and show us how to participate as you will. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.